Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Monthly Motivation. This month, I am going to talk about mapping the brain and mental health. So often in my lit yoga classes, I talk about brain mapping. And in that way, I'm talking about the ways that we move and how when neurons wire together, they fire together, and that, and we're trying to do that in a very um, efficient and beautiful way and also optimal. So when I speak about brain mapping there, it's like the habits of how we move so that we have stronger connections and that those wirings help us move better and help us perhaps work on compensations. We all develop them over time, and it's a way that we can always come back and check in. And the brain is plastic, which means it can change. And we, where we focus, um, again, where we are wiring, we're going to be firing, and we're trying to do that, again, for better movement. However, when I'm talking about brain mapping for this podcast, it's really about the areas of the brain and understanding their function and role, and in particular in mental health. Now, I've just gathered all this information because I'm just a neuroscience geek. I have a, um, a neuroanatomy background. I have an evolutionary background. 
but I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. My triplet brother, one of my triplet brothers, is a psychiatrist. So I do talk about all this stuff all the time, and it's fascinating. So I'm just going to try and distill some of their research so that maybe you can have a better idea of how the brain is also plastic in terms of issues of mental health and the areas and structures that are associated with different aspects are of, of our emotional landscape can also be remapped just like we do with movement. And I think that is very hopeful when we feel like we're suffering or in any way emotionally that we can actually do something about it. So the human brain has been studied and it's really, you know, it's it's having its limelight in the last 10 years in particular with an abundance of neuroscience out there. But that neuroscience has been there for a while and people are fascinated with it. I mean, it's incredible. It's, it's the CEO of the operation of our body. Um, it is housing our memories. It is housing our motor function. It is housing all of our connections into parts of our body for life. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's crazy to think about how it's more complicated and more complex than a computer because we don't get to see what's happening inside there. And its function and role in our life has really become a huge focus, not just in the profession of neuroscience, but also with philosophers and mental health practitioners. And that's where the brain mapping and the brain structures relating to these mental health issues come into play. But let's first go back a little bit in terms of the evolution of the human brain. And this is, again, my background um, on my undergraduate degree was in biological anthropology and anatomy. So really studying how we have evolved um, morphologically, that's um, all the areas of the body, including the brain, and how that's to all the way to present day. So our human brain has evolved over millions of years, and it is fascinatingly grown in size. It's actually three times the size it was. Um, the modern brain, brain is now three times bigger. And with that growth, the ability to store and process information has also increased. And this was very important for our survival as a species. So when our early hominids or humans were facing different types of climate or environmental challenges, the successful ones grew bigger bodies and evolved larger and more complex brains. And so again, that these bigger brains were able to process, store more information, but also allow us to develop more complex interactions with others. So socially, we became more adaptive as well. And as I mentioned, over this entire course of human evolution, the brain size tripled. And we currently have the largest and most complex brain of any living primate. So the basic anatomy of the brain, just so if you hear these terms, um, maybe you'll like now know where they are, but you might have already heard them. And this, these are the parts of the brains that brain mapping studies have really um, located. They're relevant and they're different throughout our human existence. So the different layers of the brain 
first of all, we have the brain stem. The brain stem is located at the bottom of the brain, and it was very um, early on evolution because it is it is in charge of all of our basic survival related functions. So if you ever hear anybody having damage to the brainstem, most likely they aren't going to survive because it is um, in charge of your breathing, in charge of your sleeping, in charge of um, the connection of the brain to the spinal cord. So it's a very important area. At the base and the back of the brain is the cerebellum. And you might have heard about the cerebellum in terms of uh, balance and coordination. So if somebody has an injury to the cerebellum, there will be um, some kind of deficit in balance and coordination and maybe bigger ones. And I've seen that in my work with people who've had some kind of neurological insult. Then we have the basal ganglia. And so this is more at the center of the brain, and it's a cluster of structures that relay messages from multiple areas of the brain. So of course, they're going to be important because they're connecting all these different areas of the brain for the purpose of message um, brain wiring. And then we have the cortex. And so this is the outer layer of the brain, and this is really what evolved as we evolved. And this is associated with our movements and our thinking. The neocortex is the largest part of that, and that's developed last in mammalian brains. And then also the brain is divided into two hemispheres. So you might have heard about like left-handed people versus right-handed people, and that means you're going to be either right, if you're left-handed, you're right hemisphere dominant, if you're right-handed, you're left hemisphere dominant, but a lot of people have both. The right hemisphere is associated with more artistic abilities. So um, think of music or art, um, creativity, and spatial ability. The left hemisphere is associated more with cognitive aspects, so speech, comprehension, and writing. And then we also have another division in the brain that are called the four lobes. So there's all four lobes exist in both hemispheres of the brain. You have the frontal lobes, which is at the front of the brain, and these are developed last in human evolution. They're in charge of thinking, speaking, memory, movement, um, all kind of high-level executive functions. They also relate to impulse control. So I've worked with people who had brain injuries and had hit their head in the front, and it really changed their um, ability to uh, not just like in terms of impulse control, but also to filter things out. So it can change personalities when you are hit in the head in the frontal lobe. The parietal lobes are at the top of the brain. And they're the epicenter of all the neural wiring processing relating to language, as well as a great deal of sensorial um, processing relating to kind of smell and touch and taste. Then there's uh, occipital lobes. Those are located at the back of the brain are in charge of the visual um, processing, color-related, um, letter recognition. And then temporal lobes, which are flanking on the brain on either side. And these lobes are also associated with memory as well as emotional processing, hearing, and learning. So the central brain structures that are associated with emotion, which is going to kind of lead us into the mental health part, um, they, the, the numerous structures that existed that relate to development of emotions, mental health conditions, are in the limbic system. 
So you might have heard of the limbic system because of the hippocampus, the hypothalamus, and the amygdala. So the, the limbic system is above the brainstem and beneath the cerebral cortex. So the hippocampus, we often always think, oh, hippocampus, that is memory. That's true. It is uh, the big bank of memory, but also there is emotional processing there. The hypothalamus is really important for hormone regulation and management, but also has um, associations with emotions, especially kind of on either end, pleasure or rage. And then the amygdala, which we hear about, it's such a small area, but boy, is it get a lot of press because it's it's really um, known for being in charge of emotions. And so the limbic system is overall um, in charge of memory, um, feeding, fighting, sexual responses. So the amygdala is really considered the emotional center of the brain and is in charge of many of those emotional processes. When we speak of the amygdala, we often think of like, when people are operating just from the amygdala, there's like that fight or flight. But it also is other, it has other emotional processing, not just fear and anger. Okay, so it can connect emotions to memories and motivation, and it, it can be activated by happiness. But it does play a central role in fear and threat, you know, fear that's, um, Fear that comes out because of there's some kind of danger or perceived danger. So keep that in mind when we talk about like mental health and brain mapping and how we can impact these different regions of the brain. So mental health uh, disorders have been shown, and the research has shown that there's they develop through a number of different factors, and genetics, of course, is one. Early childhood adversity, and you can go. All, look up all kinds of stuff about that, um, does change um, these brain structures. So the it's not just early childhood, but that's a very significant player. And then, of course, just generally like how you're wired, like your personality. Like, you know, I think of my two kids. One is kind of came, came out of the womb and kind of came out a little bit chill, and the other one is more um, structured. And so the personality does also impact our mental health. So the brain maps can help us see the part of the brain that is functioning kind of optimally or not, and if there are certain things that trigger the the, um, the non-optimal or abnormal responses. And, and the brain mapping, and they actually do this on some people, but we, we don't even have to actually have a brain map done to know that maybe we fall into one of these categories if we have more imbalances that lead to depression or anxiety. Um, even insomnia can be considered for sure a mental health um, disorder or dysregulation. And things like difficulty paying attention or impulsive behavior patterns and an and inability. Um, in, in physical therapy, we call it emotional lability, which is kind of like you're really not um, you're not pulled in to your emotions. You're kind of all over the place, or you can swing a lot and not be able to manage your emotions well. So we can look at the different parts of the brain mapping and the brainwave activity to see what might be um, operating well or not. And in addition to the activity that's happening in those areas of the brain, 
not to get into this too much, but I find this kind of interesting. There's, you know, these different waves. There's called delta waves and theta. There's beta, there's gamma, there's alpha. And these are all associated with different um, activities as well. So for instance, I'll just give you one example. Delta waves help with sleep and other energy um, kind of preserving activities like meditation. So you could look up in Spotify or some other music thing, like music with delta waves, and that that has been shown to help with sleep. So you can almost simulate some of the things that where you there's an imbalance. So each lobe of the brain has to have that certain amount of brain wave to function opt- optimally. And all of these things are so fascinating, and we can really go down a deep dive. But let's talk about how we can, through movement, of course, I've got to bring that in there because it's so impactful, how we can rewire, not only when we're rewiring movement, we can also help repattern the imbalances in these areas of the brain to help our mental health. And most of us don't need neuroscience. We don't need research to confirm these things. We often know when we are feeling more balanced, it's because we're, we're more balanced in our activity, in our emotional responses, in our sleep. And all of these are impacted by movement and how exercise is so good. So moving your body is one of the most effective and powerful ways to impact your mental health. And there's three main things. And this comes from um, lots of research, but you can you can look up some some. TED Talks or some information um, from like Harvard School of Public Health. There's also a wonderful TED Talk itself um, by a woman, and I'll get to her in a minute. And she really talks a lot about about neuroplasticity and exercise and the importance of how this helps. Um, Wendy Suzuki is her name, and she is fabulous. Okay, so the three areas where exercise helps the brain is one in neurogenesis. So neurogenesis is simply, so think of genesis as the beginning. You're creating new neurons. Neuroplasticity is improving how these existing neurons work and and like with neurogenesis, bringing them into play. And then we have neurochemistry, which is how these neurotransmitters are released. And those neurotransmitters are very important for our brain function and our mental health. And I know you'll have heard of some of those neurotransmitters. So these three ways, um, these three parts of our brain workings are completely positively impacted through exercise. I don't know about you, but when I think of vacation, it's not quite complete if I'm not doing some movement, if I'm not getting out and having an experience. Why not join us for a vacation and move your body, laugh, experience joy with us in Europe this summer? That's right. The Lit Team is coming to Europe. We start off in Paris, France, July 15th through 16th. Ooh la la. We have two classes there, Prime Your Power and Find Your Lift. We also have some excursions like private wine and vegan cheese tasting and a Sunday brunch. Then we head on to Frankfurt, Germany, July 18th through 20th. There I'm doing three classes, Power of the Pole, Master Soas, and Set to Launch. 
We also have a private guided bike tour that you can join us on. So it's not just in the studio, but outside. We congregate. We laugh. We experience good food. We have fun. And then finally, we will end up in Salzburg, Austria, July 22nd and 23rd. There will be three classes there, Sustainable Shoulders, Better Backbending, and Spark. And then you can join us, I'm so excited for this, on a private Sound of Music bike tour. That's right. You can do things in the studio, outside the studio, move your body, learn from us. You don't have to be a Lit Daily subscriber. You don't even have to ever practice Lit. But do you want to know more about your body? Do you want to have hope for your future self by actually learning educational tools while having such a great time with us? So join us. Go visit the show notes and sign up. Remember, we're going to be in Paris, Frankfurt, and Salzburg. And we'd love, love, love to have you join us. We know that exercise through neurogenesis, neuroplasticity, and neurochemistry helps us um, relieve stress. It helps our anxiety. It helps our processing. Remember how it feels at the end of a of a lit class or the end of a run, you just feel clearer. You feel cleared out. Like you kind of just swept out the clutter in your brain. Well, that is what exercise is doing. It's really helping the processing because it's clearing out some space so that you can manage those emotions better. We know that exercise gives us more energy, more focus. And with that, we're getting more blood circulation. This is improving our memory. And for a lot of us at any age, but especially uh, menopausal women or perimenopausal women, decreasing brain fog, which is a huge complaint in that population. So all of these benefits are connected to these three things, neuroplasticity, neurogenesis, and um, neurochemistry. All right. So how about like when you are dealing with you're feeling anxious, um, you're feeling like you're not processing as well, or you're not, your kind of in inhibition is not as great. Well, exercise it enlarges the areas of the brain associated with memory, coordination, inhibition. These are important for just being able to manage our feelings, manage our emotions, manage our responsiveness. This um, increase in the area of these of the brain associated with this really means that the developed parts of our brain are working more efficiently. So we are feeling again clearer, we're feeling calmer. And that's just that we know that to be true. And that's like if, if people who suffer with these things with any kind of mental health imbalance, and we all have that because mental health is not a linear path. There's going to be times where we will struggle more and times where we feel more optimal. But the idea is to find the spectrum where we feel more optimal by really knowing that we are remapping some of our brain through this growing of the new nerve cells and how that really benefits us and how we're improving the connections uh, between our neurons and that this generation of the new neurons, which is the neurogenesis, is helping us with our memory and helping us with, uh, with our uh, um, activity level, like ability to kind of sustain attention. 
So if that's not enough, let me tell you some more. Okay, so getting back to, I mentioned the Harvard School of Public Health. They did a study that found that running for 15 minutes a day or walking for an hour reduces the risk of major depression by 26%. That's, that's amazing, 26%. This is getting back to those neurotransmitters. Exercising releases endorphins, which improve our mood, but also help us manage stress better. So it doesn't have to be running. It, it could be walking. And guess what? Yoga is so amazing because studies have shown that people who regularly practice yoga have um, a positive effect on the structure, the brain mapping of the hippocampus, the amygdala. Remember, that can be a place where uh, fear is generated. We can live in that prefrontal cortex and the brain networks, which is all the interactions between. So Yoga is moving in a variety of ways, practicing with, uh, you know, attention to breath. And in lit yoga, we pa- we layer on the awareness of biomechanics, which is super important for optimizing um, longevity and joy in our body. And the, the brain and body are so connected. Our physical and mental health are so connected. The more we really, really um, just hold on to that, and practice that, it's going to help us. And, and again, you might already know that movement is great for you, um, but I, and you might know that it's good for your brain, but I'm hoping that this is just going to convince you further how important it is. Exercise, movement also improves um, cognitive functioning. So we already talked about memory, but cognitive functioning is very connected as well to your mental health. So in an article um, entitled, Exercise is Brain Food, um, there is three dominant neuroscientific theories that explain how movement positively impacts cognition and impacts the brain mapping. So one is that um, when you're exercising, the the oxygen levels uh, being increased are happening in the brain associated with rational thinking. So you're increasing more blood flow, more oxygen to that. And that is that rational thinking is going to help you be rational, right? So that's pretty important. In a way, when we're feeling anxious or depressed, it doesn't mean it's not real, but it does take us out of the more rational thinking, the ability to manage our both you know, from a social perspective, physical, intellectual, mental perspective, um, all the things that come our way. So it does, that blood flow is really important for that. The exercise also reduces stress hormones and increases the serotonin and norepinephrine, <laughs> which are both um, known to help with processing. So if you feel like you have trouble with processing, so AD, um, ADD and ADHD often um, come along or coupled with some mental health um, concerns like depression or anxiety, well, that that makes sense. If you're struggling to process information, um, that doesn't feel great, all right? And so then you might avoid learning more or, or whatever it might be. And so we need these neurotransmitters to help with that processing. Exercise also has been shown to upregulate what's called, and I've mentioned this in other podcasts, BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factor. And it is, this is supporting the survival and um, complexity of already existing neurons. 
and their connections through what's called dendritic um, branching. So in other words, it's really helping your brain stay healthy and grow. And overall, helping these different mapping of the brain parts function better. So in other words, this research concludes any associated function of the brain you can think of. Exercise can either improve, optimize specific functions, or prevent undesirable health conditions. And we know that we all want to avoid undesirable health conditions because anxiety alone um, has been shown to be highly correlated with developing dementia. And so we don't want to go down that path. It doesn't feel good in the present moment either, but this being kind of flooded with cortisol, the stress hormone, hormone over and over again, um, can has been shown to damage part of the brain involved in memory and complex thinking. So when we minimize our stress, when we balance our anxiety, we are helping those, you know, the hippocampal area, the areas for complex thinking, so that we can do the best we can to avoid dementia, which again, has other factors as well, but this is one we can control. All right. So finally, I want to talk a little bit about the woman that I mentioned before, um, Wendy Suzuki. So she's a neuroscientist and she talks about these three neurotransmitters that are um, impacted after exercise. And she explains about that there are the um, norepinephrine, norepinephrine, why am I having a hard time with that? Serotonin and dopamine are like, she calls them the three musketeers of brain messengers. So if you think of messengers that are able to connect to the different mapping of the brain and that they're working for you well, that is amazing. And she's saying that, you know, that exercise affects all of these. And you have to think of your brain as a muscle. And she says, the more you're working out and moving, the bigger and stronger your hippocampus and prefrontal cortex gets. This is important because the prefrontal cortex and the hippocampus are the two areas most susceptible to neurogenerative diseases and normal cognitive decline in aging. So again, it goes back to how our mental health over time can affect our cognitive health, our cognitive abilities. And consistently moving, consistently focusing on your physical health will strengthen and enlarge the hippocampus and prefrontal cortex. And so this is important for us now, but it's also important for us in the future. Another doctor, um, Aviva Ram, outlines 10 possible causes that my, may um, contribute to brain fog, fog, which I was mentioning before, which is can be common in anybody at any age, but definitely as women age in that um, perimenopausal to menopausal stage. So the 10 possible causes, stress, distraction, fatigue, blood sugar, blood sugar imbalances, depression and anxiety, gut microbiome disruption, nutritional deficiencies, brain flammation, she calls it. So that's basically inflammation of the brain, hormonal shifts, thyroid and adrenal imbalances, and side effects of medicine. So a lot of those are, are we can deal with, right? Medication, the side effects, we that's a little bit less. Um, obviously, we wouldn't take the medicine if it gives us side effects, but a lot of these we can actually tackle. And, you know, 
she says there are other things besides exercise that are going to be needed for some people, but that exercise and physical activity is hugely important. Hugely important for activating the different parts of the brain to release that BDNF, um, the brain-derived um, uh, factor that I was talking about earlier, and these neurotransmitters, which are going to make us have feel like we have more energy, more ability to focus, and essentially really nurturing this healthier brain. So the, the last thing I'll talk about is medication. And this is, you know, medication, my brother's a psychiatrist. Medication is so, it can be life-saving for people. So it is something that can um, help those areas of the brain that are out of balance, help the chemistry that is out of balance. But we want to also recognize there are things that we can do to additionally alleviate um, certain states of suffering. And one researcher said, his name's Cooney, he said, he famously argued that neurological benefits of exercise are more effective in managing depressive symptoms than psychoactive treatments. Now that's the treatments, that not, that's not necessarily medicine, but this whole kind of spectrum of mental health, we do tend to go right to a quicker um, maybe fix and again, I'm not at all saying I know many people that absolutely have survived because of different medicine for their brain, but we have to look at how we can also increase our neuroplasticity, our neurogenesis, um, and, and help our brain and the brain, the different areas of the brain um, perform more optimally so that we feel better and we have these wonderful health outcomes. So everyone should feel like you want to um, see a, a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist or both um, to get any kind of additional aid you need. We should never, ever feel at all um, guilty about that. It should not be stigmatized. Mental health is a health just like physical health. If you had something bothering you physically, you would go see somebody. You might see a physical therapist like me. There'd be no shame around it. There should not be any shame around mental health. And there are people that are so equipped to help you. So please don't just think exercise will be the um, panacea for everyone because, you know, that that would be um, that would be like fool's gold and we can't say that. But we, we need to recognize that it does impact our brain significantly, significantly. So it needs to um, be on the table as a conversation. And for everybody else who doesn't have like as much of that kind of uh, the chemical need for some um, – additional medica medications. If you're struggling with mental health, also try exercise. Try exercise regularly. Try movement regularly. Um, and there's, again, going back to the brain mapping, how some movement will be kind of more impactful in those different areas of the brain. So for instance, yoga, um, traditional yoga, but also lit yoga, it's going to be great for concentration. It's going to be great for processing. It's going to be great for brain fog. Um, and it will help with memory um, because that's a that that also is going to get stimulated. But also from memory, walking, um, aerobics, getting your heart rate up. So in lit, we do get our heart rate up as well. So we're ho helping that um, for blood circulation. You know, just overall more blood flow. Remember how important that is for for growing these parts of the brain um, and giving the brain the blood and oxygen it needs. We need probably to get our heart rate up even more. 
Okay. So, uh, and then stress and anxiety. I mean, yoga, again, there's so much research on yoga because we're focusing on ourselves. We're working with our breath. We're paying attention. If not anything else, I think that it's what I think of as yoga and the reason why I combined yoga with physical therapy is yoga was so beautiful, but it didn't focus enough on the biomechanics, generally speaking. But what it does focus on is it, or what it does do is it invites you to focus on the present moment and adding that component like we do with lit of how you're doing something and then why you're doing it this way versus not, why we move in the hip versus moving in the pelvis, that adds another layer of that attention. And when you're paying attention, it's not only going to help your concentration, but it's also going to help relieve the busyness in the, you know, of that stress can cause, you know, that feeling of stress when everything feels scattered and overwhelming. Um, and then if you are feeling lower and, and forms of like any kind of depressive states, aerobic training, resistant training have been shown to really help target that area. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, what I try and do in lit is incorporate all of these. We do resistance training um, through our own body weight, but you might need more than that. You might need to lift heavier and that could really help out a lot. So remember what Wendy Suzuko said, think of your brain as a muscle. So if we don't take good care of our brain through the movement of our body, through the paying attention, um, then some areas are not going to be performing as well. So think of like the little mapping, if it's like a heat map, and some of those parts might shrink and not be performing as well. Their function will um, perhaps really like not deteriorate, and, and we don't want that. So we want to feel our best. We want to help ourselves physically and mentally. And I just wanted to give you some more background of how these different areas of the brain and brain mapping, whether it's the actual parts of the brain and what they're responsible for, or the fact that we can, with exercise, develop new neurons or improve connections between existing neurons and that complexity and wire better patterns of thinking, managing stress, managing emotions, perceiving, remembering, holding on to memory, processing, and then moving. It all is woven together. It really, like one impacts the other. And so... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Get moving, take good care of you, think of your mental health as being as important as any other thing. And if you're feeling like you need help with that, reach out because we are subjected to so much more than our ancestors were. We have a lot of the same primitive structures in our brain that our ancestors did. And those primitive structures aren't really discerning between something that is a real threat to our life, like, you know, an animal or another 
human um, coming at us um, versus just the stress of listening to the news or worrying about this or trying to manage uh, two jobs. Like it's a lot. And our we could just kind of live in that what's known as the hindbrain, that area where the amygdala exists. But um, that that fear can be really exacerbated by just trying to li live our lives. So realize you're not alone. There's a lot in this world um, that leads to this, but there is a lot we can do as well. So um, one other researcher says, the best advice is to commit to exercise as a habit, almost like taking prescription medication. So I know that so many of us are moving and it's wired in our brain to move. And, but our lifestyles are really combating that. So I would encourage you to examine your lifestyle and how it is blocking ways where you can improve your mental health, physical health, and ultimately um, the health of your brain and see if you can do something about that. At least start inserting movement a little bit at a, a little dose at a um, time, like 10 minutes out of it every hour move in some way, and, and then really lock into how you feel different. So I hope this helped you. Um, again, take care of you. And as always, I'm pulling for you.